the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is David Schweikert. I'm blessed to be the congressman for North Phoenix, Scottsdale, Fountain Hills, um, Carefree Cave Creek. And Seth is sort of taking his um, career path, uh, um, shall we say, at a high level of risk by allowing me behind the microphone. Um, and this is the moment uh, we, we need to have a little more heartfelt conversation. Um, I will get in front of a number of audiences and I will bring my slide deck, you know, with all the math and, you know, all the research projects and try to then ask the question, what's the most dangerous thing to our republic? You know, if you're, you know, I, I thoroughly believe the U.S. Constitution was divinely inspired. There was a touch of God on the documents that, that created this amazing experiment. And, you know, I, Joyce and I are blessed to have a five-year-old daughter. It's the most important thing. I mean, I, I cannot express, you know, just how meaningful having her in our lives is. And I'm terrified with what we're about to do to her future. Um, so you get in front of that audience and say, what's the biggest threat to your society, your country, your republic over the next couple decades? And lots of people have all sorts of solutions and comments and this and that. And I'm going to tell you, I think it's debt because debt changes everything. And as of a couple years ago, remember, this is before the left spending binge that's currently going on right now. In 30 years, your country in today's dollars, so inflation-adjusted dollars, your country was going to be over $101 trillion of publicly borrowed money. That's not where we borrow from each other, you know, where we reach steal from Social Security and those things because we'll have wiped out those trust funds long before this. $101 trillion of publicly borrowed money. There's functionally more money than exists in the world to borrow. And here's the part that the vast majority – of those elected and particularly even some of my brothers and sisters on the conservative movement get very uncomfortable telling is of that $101 trillion of borrowing over the next 30 years, about $67, 68000000000000 trillion of that is just Medicare. Um, only about $3 trillion of it is what you consider the normal part of the budget. It's basically Social Security and Medicare. Our demographics, we are getting old as a society. I, I'm a baby boomer. Um, you know this year, births in the United States may will be less than deaths. Um, we're getting very old very quickly as a society. We've made promises and the the we have a moral obligation to keep these promises the promises of medicare social security they are 
societal contracts, the promises. Yet if you're not willing to deal with the math, how do you keep the promises? And it turns out the cost of delivering the health care over the next 30 years is the most substantial driver of U.S. debt. And if you have a politician that gets behind the microphone and starts saying things like, well, it's waste and fraud. Come on. Stop Stop trying to con- – the voters are smarter than that. Are people on the left, well, if we got rid of the military, we got rid of that. It, come on. It, 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 it's – it's our demographics. It's not – in that case, it's not really Republican or Democrat. The solutions though, ultimately are Republican. And this is also important to get our heads around. You remember all the debate around Obamacare. The ACA – Obamacare was a financing bill. It wasn't about what we pay. It's who got to pay and who got to be subsidized. The Republican alternative a couple of years later was a financing bill. It's who got to be the subsidized and who got to pay. Medicare for all is a financing bill. We aren't having the single most powerful, important conversation because it's uncomfortable. It's what we pay. And I'm incredibly hopeful that we're living in a time of a technology revolution around us. And, and that revolution is everything from on the pharmaceutical side to technology, to like I'm wearing something on my wrist right now. I, I have hypertension. Helps me manage that. I'm a severe asthmatic. A little thing I can put on my chest that tells me my blood oxygen. The fact of the matter is we're living in a time of revolution technology-wise, but we're not making it individual where I can control my own health data and use that data to help myself stay healthy because I want to see my five-year-old daughter grow up. And we've got to be willing to legalize technology. And when I say that, this is very controversial and makes lots of people unhappy. But in the Schweikert family, we've had a saying since I was a child, money, power, vanity. But most of the time, it's about the money. If what I'm saying makes you upset, have a moment of self-reflection and tell me how much of it is actually about the money. The technology exists today. Something that looks like a large kazoo. You can blow into it. It would instantly tell you if you have a virus. The newest version actually picks up a number of dead cancer proteins, but let's just use the one. Uh, so it tells you you have a virus. It can bounce off your phone's medical records and see if you are allergic to any antiviral, and that technology could order your antivirals. What's wrong with that? Well, under today's legal schemes and reimbursement schemes, it's illegal. That technology where you could start to have a revolution in the cost of health care is ultimately illegal. And we've got to be willing to take this on. If the greatest threat ultimately is this incredible spiral of debt that's going to wipe out our ability to have money for anything, whether it be military, environment, roads, everything is going to be consumed. The scale of debt that's coming and the curve steepens dramatically at the end of this decade. And it's, once again, of that $101 trillion of borrowing, that's just the borrowing side. That's not the spend side. That's the borrowing side. 
about $68 trillion of it is just the shortfall in Medicare. Because remember, when you and I pay our FICA tax, our payroll tax, we're paying into the trust fund for Medicare that's only the Part A. That's called the hospital portion. And that's gone in three to five years. The rest of Medicare comes out of the general fund. Um, we can have a revolution in the cost of health care. The other side of it is something I believe the Democrats are doing great evil. And I, I use that word purposely. They have something called H.R. 3. It is their version of, hey, we're going to lower drug prices. And guess what? In the first couple of years, eh, it would have a marginal effect of lowering drug prices. But the way it does it, it's actually scarcity. They, If you live in Great Britain right now and there's a pharmaceutical that costs more than $37,000 a year, which is a lot of money, but it, but it gives you a year of quality life, but it costs more than that $37,000, it isn't sold there. It's not part of the purchasing model. You can't get it. The Democrats intend to import that to the United States, saying the, the pharmaceuticals that are available to you today that are under this sort of price regime, you can have. And the big pharma will sit there and adjust the formulas and keep them available. But the revolution that's coming from small biotech that's going to cure people and why that's so important. Remember, 5% of our population is over 50% of the healthcare spend. So you're going to get the punchline here. If we cure people, if we pull them out of the misery of having a chronic condition because we have cured them. Now, it may take years, but it saves a fortune over the coming decades and makes us healthier. We're going to talk about that Operation Warp Speed and the fact that 31 percent of all Medicare spending is just diabetes. We need to take it on. See, now this is the song that sort of started the trip hop genre. You know, that sort of very smooth. See, I'm trying to turn um, Bill into an aficionado of this. Um, this is David Schweikert. I'm blessed to be the congressman for North Phoenix, Scottsdale, Fountain Hills, Carefree Cave Creek. Just, uh, I mean, a truly, if you get to represent an area, just a wonderful area, um, and a lot of freaky smart people. So Seth is allowing me behind the microphone today. And I, and I want to continue where we were going because I don't want it to sound dour. I am terrified of that $101 trillion number. And understand, that's coming now mathematically in like 28 years. That That's where we're at. Um a lot of the economists say we blow up long before that. But there's hope. But we need to think it through. And this is where the Democrats are just I, – I, I have a running debate in the Ways and Means Committee with a number of the Democrats right now. And let's see if I can make this make sense. Of that $101 trillion of borrowing that's going to happen over the next 30 years, okay, $68 trillion of that – is just Medicare borrowing. 31% of Medicare spending is just diabetes. If you loved and cared about people, 
if you also wanted to have a, the single biggest impact you can have on U.S. sovereign debt and maybe productivity and, and good things for people and the fact of the matter that when the Democrats get behind the microphone and talk about how you know these urban populations or our Native American populations have had such horrible experiences with COVID, if you look at the chart of diabetes and then bad outcomes in COVID, they match. If we actually give a darn, let's do an Operation Warp Speed for diabetes. The Democrats' proposal right now is, no, we're going to go to a lot of these areas and we're just going to build a lot more clinics because we're going to make it so, you know, urban African-Americans, some of our tribal populations, they can better manage and live with their misery. Okay. Um, I actually believe as conservatives – we should be using technology and and the experience we just got from the Operation Warp Speed where we in a year we did things that people said would take years and years and years. And the messenger RNA, that mRNA technology, we just leaped 10 years. So right now in some labs around the world, and I think uh, one in Boston and others, we're having some amazing success on some genetic cures for type 1 diabetes. This is a really good thing. Type 2 is a lot more complicated. It's politically more uncomfortable to talk about um, because it's both autoimmune but also lifestyle. Should we have an honest conversation of its fiscal impact, its life impact, the, the destruction it makes to individuals and their families, and also the debt of the United States, that it is a major issue, and if we would follow what President Trump did on going Operation Warp Speed on the vaccine and say we're going to, instead of doing what the Democrats want to do, which is help people live with their misery, we want to cure it. We want to find a way. Now, it's going to mean some tough decisions. It's going to mean food stamps, nutrition support. Maybe we need to change it so we're not financing the consumption of foods that actually lead to really bad outcomes. Maybe we need to change the farm legislation so there's a more, much broader variety of foods grown in the United States to, A, make us less fragile if, God forbid, something ever happened like it's happening with the fungus killing all the olive trees in southern Europe. Um, but allowing that type of choice makes us more robust as, as, as a society. But also the ability to say with the new biologics, the new genetic drugs we're developing with maybe helping and encouraging and incentivizing everything from proper eating to you know, lifestyle, maybe we could end the misery instead of just financing around it and trying to make it just more manageable. Oh, and by the way, it's the single biggest thing you and I can do for U.S. sovereign debt over the next three decades. There is hope. And we started to talk about the Democrats' H.R. 3, which is their drug pricing bill, which you keep hearing them get behind microphones and talk about saying, hey, this is going to lower drug prices. But we see report after report after report that some of the breakthroughs we're having right now, we will never see. You do understand, right now we have a single shot cure for hemophilia. Now, it's a million dollars for that shot. Incredibly, that's outrageous. Except hemophilia can cost up to 
four, five, six hundred thousand dollars a year for the blood clotting factor. Turns out that's a really great investment. Do you remember it was only a few years ago? The crisis we were having with people that needed liver transplants from hepatitis C. And now we have a cure for it. Our vision is if we know that our demographics and the healthcare costs become our fragility, um, our biggest headwind in development of U.S. debt and misery of our brothers and sisters around us, why not build a sort of optimistic, conservative vision that we're going to take the science that has been handed to us, and we've just leaped 10 years in advance with this thing called messenger RNA, where we're about to cure all types of cancers. You actually, if you follow the articles, it looks like we may be about to have a vaccination for malaria, for sickle cell anemia, for herpes, for HIV, things that actually are plagues on humanity. As conservatives, I believe we have a moral obligation to provide not only the truth and the math and the facts, but also it's darn it, it's time we also give a vision of here's how we can survive our demographic crisis, our debt bomb, by smoothing it out and making Americans' lives so much better, so much healthier, so much longer instead of what the chaos that has been brought to us by the Democrats. Now, this actually goes much larger, and you need to sort of think about this. And this is where I get myself in trouble, because I believe we need to think about policy as an ecosystem. So if we do this in healthcare over here, what are we going to do on immigration? What are we going to do over here on environment? What are we going to do over here in energy? And I'm going to make you the argument they're all related to each other. One of the things that we need to understand is the Democrats' policies are brutalizing working people here in this country. And I'm going to walk you through the math when we get back. This is David Schweikert filling in for Seth. Now, Bill, you found one that I haven't even listened to. <laughs> uh, I wish you all could hear the conversation um, we were just having because we're, we were talking about how do you, we provide an optimistic, a hopeful path that says we do not have to have the financial collapse, the, the debt that destroys my little girl's future and your family and your retirement and everything's future that ultimately empowers the socialists and these hard lefties. Because every time there is a crisis, you got to understand, when you have someone that gets behind the microphone and they're with us on the conservative side, but they say we got to burn the place down, every time there is a crisis, does the left, do the Democrats get less powerful? They get more powerful. We need to run ahead of them and explain there is a path by using our brains, a tax system that works, these other things that work instead of this collective control of our lives, control of our economy, control of our thoughts, control of our speech. 
It's just the opposite that will free us from the misery. And I believe not enough of us have that vision because if you want young people to vote with us, you want those suburban females who we had a really rough time with last election, we need to give that vision. Um, And we're going to talk about that in, in the last segment. There's some really interesting things happening out there on the pure politics side of, you know, Hispanic men voting for Republicans. Some the demographics of what is the Republican Party, what is the conservative movement is changing. But we need to finish the bit of the discussion of there's hope out there. Um, But there's also some technology, some things that are going to change the way we live, the way we think about policy. And Bill and I were – I was giving him sort of an example for a thought process. How many of you remember Blockbuster Video? Well, what happened to them? Technology, Netflix came along, streaming came along, ran – outran them. They disappeared. Washington, D.C. is like a place where if Netflix and Blockbuster Video – were coming online and Blockbuster Video showed up with enough lobbyists in Washington, D.C., Congress would have slowed down the Internet. Much of what Congress does today is almost like a protection racket. And it's it's often couched in the terms of, well, you know, we're protecting these jobs or we're protecting this. By doing so, the changes that provide prosperity and opportunity are stripped away from us and they're hidden underneath bureaucracy control and just makes the bureaucracy and control of the Democrats much more powerful. So I want to talk about some things that are very, very hopeful and also very disturbing right now. A couple days ago, driving behind a fairly nice vehicle with a bumper sticker in the back, and I'm getting up closer because it, it, it was a little out of sorts. It was um, – uh, let's see. what, what did, It was – man, my wife was getting all upset because I was trying to pull up close and close so I could read it, and it was BLW, not BLM. It was BLW, and got closer, and I could read the – Biden loves workers. And we're pulling up to the intersection. I'm about to roll down my window because I'm an idiot. I like to do this. And my wife has basically said she's going to taser me if I ever do this again while she's in the vehicle with me. And asking, so Biden loves workers. Then why is he committing such economic violence to working men and women in this country? And I'm dead serious about this. Um, Let's walk through how you destroy the working middle class, the working poor in your country. And when we come back, I'm going to walk you through what's happening at the border, what's happening with inflation, what's happening with taxes. We are killing the economic opportunity for working men and women in this country. Hi there. It's David Schweikert. Um, I am blessed to be the congressman for North Phoenix, Scottsdale, Fountain Hills, Carefree Cave Creek. And Seth Leeson is, shall we say, um, taking his career at risk by allowing me behind the microphone. 
Um, and I, I want to make a point. One of the reasons we haven't been talking about Afghanistan or masks or these sorts of things is I really want to sort of get a lay of the land on some of the things that are going on in Washington, but also the fact that there are solutions. There are solutions that those of us in the conservative movement, we need to be able to tell the story. We need to sell, say there's an optimistic, hopeful, but you cannot allow the left to be in power because the, the left sees the world in a very dark, dark way. So I was telling the story that I almost got myself in trouble a couple days ago, pulling up alongside a car and wanting to have a pleasant conversation through a truck window um, from my truck to their car about their bumper sticker. And my wife is horrified that I have this habit of wanting to have these conversations. And let's face it, it's hard doing economic policy through a window and a moving intersection. But let's have a moment of honesty here. What the Biden administration has done, what Nancy Pelosi's Democrats have done to the working poor, to working men and women, particularly this year, can only be categorized as economic violence. And and I use those words because they're harsh and they're accurate. If I came to you as an economist tomorrow and said, what is the single most economically devastating thing you can do to the working poor in America. Do you know what it is? Make the working poor compete against millions of others with similar skill sets. So, you know, like my co- I have a cousin, good human being, didn't do well in high school, matter of fact, didn't even graduate, is out there, been building a landscaping business, you know, just 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 hunkered down, had a couple kids, very young, um, but but he's working it. He's he, he he's gotten his head back on straight. He's working it, and right now the Biden administration is flooding the country with millions of individuals with similar skill sets that are now going to be competing with him and his labor. Turns out, when you open up the border to this type of freefall. Free, oh, I'm sorry, I've got to be careful how I describe this. What you do is you're committing economic violence on the working poor in your own country. 2018, 2019, with President Trump, with our tax reform, with what we had been doing with right-sizing regulations, you were seeing almost an economic miracle. Remember the holy grail for Democrats a few years ago was income inequality. We need to fix income inequality. And it turns out Donald Trump is the one through our tax reform being – I like to take a lot of credit for that, having worked on it in the Ways and Means Committee. But there was this renaissance. The United States for the first time in modern economic history had shrinkage of income inequality. The rich were still getting richer. The poor were getting dramatically less poor. Food insecurity, all the benchmarks the Democrats preach at us were getting better. There should have been joy in this country. Um, Wages for working unmarried women were skyrocketing. Good things were happening because we were we had proven from going from the malaise of the Obama administration to if you got the tax code right. And guess what? 
2018, 19 were number one or number two and number three highest tax receipts in U.S. history adjusted for inflation. So the fact of the matter is it was working. It was working in a way that was good for society. It was good for working men and women. If you want to commit economic crushing of the working class, open up your borders. Number two is let inflation run. If you're a working man or woman in this country right now, the last seven months, you've fallen further behind. There have been wage increases. Turns out the inflation of your rent, your food, your fuel has gone up much faster than your wages. And then lastly, what the Biden administration, what the Democrats are talking about doing in their tax hikes to spend for all their infrastructure is going to slow down for a decade or more your wage growth, the investment in productivity, and don't underestimate. I know that sounds like like a geeky turn, but it turns out when that business has the ability to expense a piece of equipment and they become more productive, they pay their employees more. We actually have great math that that the vast majority of the benefit from tax reform actually went to working men and women. And a bit of trivia for if I have any liberals listening. Guess what? Post-tax reform, the tax code was more progressive. The rich were paying a higher percentage of federal income taxes than before tax reform. And I know that doesn't fit your folklore. But you still have Democrats getting behind microphones saying, well, 83 percent of the benefit went to the top 1 percent. And even the liberal newspapers now around the country give that what the you know four or five Pinocchios, however they do that. They're terrified of the fact that Republicans, through tax reform, through regulatory reform, through unleashing individuals, are the ones who've been delivering for the for the working poor, for um, you know, uh, unmarried women who have children. If you look at their wage growth, it turns out our policies are the policies of compassion and love. And you have to make a personal decision. Is growth moral? Because the Democrats approach right now, and this is what that three and a half trillion dollar spending binge is about, is we did it through economic opportunity and economic expansion. They want to do it through taxation, borrowing, and then transfer payments. How much healthier is society going to be if the Democrats get their way? And this is why I think there is a real change that we need to get our heads around. And we're going to talk about this in a couple of the future segments. Those who are voting for Republicans look different. You know, a few years ago, uh, your image of a Republican was almost a country clubber who wanted an open border to have a cheaper housekeeper. Today, Republicans and last election, we won the majority of Hispanic men, working men and women. We need to build off of that and truly be the party that goes across this country, providing prosperity, opportunity and just an amazing future. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. This is David Schweikert, and thank you to Seth for letting me fill in. 
Well, hello, everyone. It's David Schweikert. Um, I'm blessed to be the congressman for North Phoenix, Scottsdale, Carefree Cave Creek, and Fountain Hills. Um, Seth has been kind enough to let me sit in for him. Um, I thought we would try to do something a little different today. Instead of just doing the typical topic of the day and look, Afghanistan, the masks, the the budgets, these things that are going on in Washington um, around the world are incredibly important. But I think we need to talk a bit about just how dysfunctional Washington is. That's why we had Jim Jordan on a little while ago. But also talk about the fact that I believe our philosophy, our party, we are truly the majority. We just do a crappy job telling the story and sharing the facts that we have the path that makes Americans' lives better. Poor people's lives, wealthy people's, educated, uneducated. And when we come back, we're going to have a little bit of a discussion uh, and 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 this is the segment that I promise you I'm going to annoy um, a number of my friends out there. But we need to tell the truth about how much of our conservative resources, our political resources, are abused, are become about the money instead of winning elections, because the fact of the matter is the chaos you see in Afghanistan, the chaos you see in Congress, the 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 crappy things Nancy Pelosi did a couple of weeks ago to my five-year-old daughter when she just wanted to sit on the floor of the house with her dad, the incompetence that is the Biden administration, it ultimately does come down to elections. We need to win those elections. And we have a very powerful story to tell. We just need to get better at saying, here's what's going on, and here's what we would do if the voters will entrust us with the authority. And some of this is hard because we have to also deal with the reality. We have not many, but just enough Republicans that often make it difficult because do they really want to shake things up? Do they want to allow, uh, uh, from an economist standpoint, you use the term disruption. But those disruptions are what will make us prosperous and get us through so many of these difficulties that are piling up on us. Because we're going to have a lot of cleanup to make up for what this administration and this Democrat Congress have done to the country. We'll be back at the top of the hour. This is David Schweikert. I'll talk to you soon. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.